0: Our church observes the Lord's Supper um, a few times a year, two or three times a year. We don't really have a set schedule for it, just. Um, but I love the ordinance. I love what it means, and I never get tired of reading these passages and thinking about it together, and so if you're able to stand, stand with us, please, for the reading of the scripture, and I'm going to read um, a good portion of this context, not the entire Context of the subject of the Lord's Supper. This is the most detailed passage in the New Testament dealing with the subject of the Lord's Supper, instruction, and uh, guidance for us. But look in verse 23. It says, Paul writing to the church at Corinth, For I've received of the Lord that which I also, or which also I delivered unto you. Paul says, I received it of the Lord, I'm giving it unto you. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Now, obviously, he's talking about what we sometimes, some people, some call the Last Supper. But it's the last time the Lord observed the Passover with his disciples. And it's important to understand that because he's given teaching about the Lord's Supper, which is not the Passover. It's one of the two ordinances that the Lord gave his churches, baptism and the Lord's Supper. But but the connection between the Passover and the Lord's Supper is important to understand. So he continues here in writing to the church in verse 25, says, And after the same manner also, he, talking about Jesus, took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So the last four words of verse 24, the same as verse 25. You do it in remembrance of me. Verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation or judgment To himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Now, all these verses, verse 28, 29, 30, 31, all have to do with the subject of examining ourselves. Verse 31 For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. If we judge ourselves, then we don't have to be judged, but if, we, if God judges us, he chastens us, that we would not be condemned with the world. Verse 33, wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for, for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. The apostle talking there to the church at Corinth. So I want to primarily focus on this subject of examining ourselves because that's a big part of what this text is about. So let's pray as we get into it. Father, once again, we thank you for your word. We receive it tonight as it is indeed the word of God, not the word of men. Your very words for us. Thank you for providing for us a reliable, trustworthy, accurate Word from God. We pray that tonight you'd bless as we study together. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thanks. So we're just going to look at this, uh, kind of the, the history of examining ourselves, the practice of examining ourselves, and beginning just to look at the Passover and the Lord's Supper. Now, If you look here, as I emphasize this in verses 23 to 26, you know, Paul is reminding the church at Corinth about the final Passover that Jesus spent with his disciples. Hold your finger right here in 1 Corinthians. We're going to go to several passages tonight, but let's go to the Gospel of Mark and just see this together. Mark chapter 26. Not, excuse me, not uh, Mark, Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26 In verse 17, Matthew records these words. Now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto Him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? So He he mentions two uh, feasts in that one verse. One of them is the Passover, which is a a one-day event, and the other is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is a seven-day event. And so when Jesus sat down with his disciples, it was to eat the Passover. It was the beginning of the feast of unleavened bread. And if you look over where they're actually enjoying this uh, time together, uh, verse 26 of the same chapter says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Obviously that, blood, that cup was not his blood, and that bread was not his body. They represented, they were symbolic. The bread represented his body, and the cup, the fruit of the vine, represented his blood. Verse 29, But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung in hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And so here we it's very clear to me when Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11 that when he's given the instructions for the Lord's Supper, he does it with the Passover in mind because he even refers to the fact that Jesus was eating that Passover meal and he was using that, some of that same language referring to the Lord's Supper. Now, just, just so we understand, I think all of us would understand this. We're not required to, nor are we expected to, observe the Old Testament feasts. I mean, it's really important that we understand. Matter of fact, keep, keep in mind, we're going to come back to 1 Corinthians, but go, go over to the book of Colossians for a moment, just to give you a couple of verses to hang this thought on. Colossians chapter uh, th- 2. And just a couple of verses. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 16. Let no man therefore judge you in meat, or in drink, or in respect of an holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Now that's very clear there. That New Testament Christians are not under an obligation to keep these holy days, these Jewish feasts and festivities, the new moon, the Sabbath days, all these things. their their dietary restrictions. Let no man judge you in meat or in drink. Verse 17, for all these things are a shadow of the things to come, but the bodies of Christ. All of these things have value. The Passover has value. We'll talk about it in a moment. The feast of uh, the tabernacles has value. The, um, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which has to do with the Passover, has to do with the Lord's Supper. In a way, all these things have value, but we don't observe those feasts. We just, And it's not that we're trying to be hard to get along with. We're just going by the Bible. The Bible makes it clear that we're not obligated to do that. But that does not mean that we can't benefit from knowing about those feasts are studying those feasts. These feasts point to Christ. And Paul himself said in 1 Corinthians 11 that the Lord's Supper as an ordinance is linked to the Passover. And we know that's true because our Passover lamb is Jesus Christ. He is the Passover lamb. He was, as Exodus 12 says, and we may look at this in a moment, He was a lamb without spot and without blemish. And when they took the blood of the Passover lamb, they put that blood, as you'll remember, up over the doorpost and the lintel of their homes. They killed that animal, took that blood, put it over there. Uh, And on this 10th, the 10th plague against Egypt, the Passover was instituted. And when the death angel came through Egypt, when he saw the blood, he passed over them. Amen. Right? Amen. So, so the Passover has relevance to us, but we don't observe the Passover as the Jewish people did. But just to re- re- you know, repeat this, when Paul is talking in 1 Corinthians 11 about the Lord's Supper, it's taken, some of it's taken from the Passover feast and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And a part of that... Feast of Unleavened Bread is this practice of examining ourselves. We'll look at it briefly in the scripture. But after the Passover, which began the first day of unleavened bread, for seven days they would eat unleavened bread. They would search their house for any indication of leaven, any leaven. They would remove out of their house, wherever they found it. Because it's a picture to us of the importance, as the Lord's Supper says, of examining ourselves. I hope I'm not losing you on this, but that's where this matter of examining yourself, I think it came from the Passover observance where they would make sure there was no leaven in their house. You know, when a person is saved, when we trust Christ as our Savior, we are forgiven. Thank God for that. But that does not mean that we don't take personal sin lightly. If if a person says, that, well, I'm saved, it doesn't really matter, then they're, they're not really looking at the Bible the way God would have them to look at the truth of the Scripture. And we see this clearly in the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So we're going to come back to 1 Corinthians 11, I promise you. But let's go to Exodus for a moment. Exodus chapter 12. And this is the institution of the Passover, the 10th plague that was demonstrated, was shown to Egypt. And this was the plague that caused Pharaoh and the leaders of Egypt to, to release God's people. So let's just look at a few things about this as it applies to what we're talking about tonight. Exodus chapter 12. And verse 15. Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread for the first day, from the first day and the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. Now, again, the feast of unleavened bread, the days of unleavened bread, started right after the Passover. Look in verse 18 of that chapter. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month at even, you shall eat unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the month at evens, from the fourteenth day to the to the twenty-first day. Seven days. Verse 19. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. Now, leaven, as you know, probably know, it's it's like yeast. And um but all through the Bible, leaven is like a type or a picture of sin. That's why Paul said uh, to the church in Corinth, you know you remove you to remove all the sin that you'd be a new loaf or new, new um, And he said, a little leaven, leaven is the whole lump, a little just a little bit of leaven spreads throughout. So leaven is a picture of sin. So he tells us here in verse 19 of Chapter 12, seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. For whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul, shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land, you shall eat nothing leavened. Uh, Turn the page or the chapter to chapter 13, verse 5. And it shall be when the Lord shall bring, you, bring thee into the land of the Canaanites. So now they're just leaving Egypt. But he's telling them what it's going to be like when they get into the promised land. When, you, when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, and Jebusites, which he swear unto thy fathers to give thee a land flowing with milk and honey, that thou shalt keep this service this month. Talking about the Passover and the... Um, Feast of unleavened bread. Seven days shalt thou eat unleavened bread, and in the seventh day shall be a feast of the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days. Notice the emphasis here. And there shall no leavened bread be seen with thee, neither shall there be leaven seen with thee in all thy quarters. Nobody will should be able to find any sign of leaven in your house, in your property, wherever you are. <coughs> It'll be a thorough search for leaven or yeast or whatever. And again, it's a type of sin. I was, I was reading today just out of curiosity um, just about the way Jewish people observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Passover. And I read a testimony of someone uh, who observed the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread and they were talking about the challenge of removing all leaven from their house. And to them, this, this, this practice was a reminder of how challenging it is to get all the sin out of your life. Which some people would not acknowledge, but many of us would acknowledge. It's an ongoing challenge, a battle with our sinful nature. And this is what they said. It's easy to find the obvious loaves of bread in the pantry, but how difficult it was when they began to hunt to get crumbs out of the cabinets and Cheerios from between the cushions of the couch. Now, that, they're not just saying that to be humorous, that they're saying that to get the leaven out, you had to get the Cheerios out and you had to get the cookie crumbs out. And these people took this, you know why they took it serious? Because in the Old Testament they took it that serious no leaven anywhere to speak of in your house. They're being very serious about this. And to them, this writer, who recognizes the spiritual connection, said it's easy, what that symbolizes is it's easier to get the big sins out of your life, but more difficult to get those hidden, what we call smaller, seemingly small things, out of your life. Now again, we're not bound by Jewish festivals and these requirements. But this Old Testament feast of unleavened bread and the Passover is what Paul is referring to when he tells us about the Lord's Supper and the importance of examining yourself. I think we take that too lightly sometimes. If you look, and let's go back now to to, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And just look at how seriously this subject is presented. In verse verse 27, Whosoever shall eat this bread and drink of this cup of the Lord unworthily. That's not just talking about people that are not saved. That's talking about people who are not taking serious the responsibility to examine yourself. Verse 28, But let a man examine himself. Verse twenty nine: He that eateth and drinketh unworthily um, brings damnation to himself or judgment. Verse thirty: Many many are weak and sickly because of this. Verse thirty one: If we would judge ourselves, talk about examining ourselves. Verse thirty two: When we are judged, we're chastened of the Lord. Now you can't read that. You can read those four verses, and if you in in. And, and maybe miss the fact that he is strongly emphasizing the importance of examining yourself. It's not light. It's not lightly. It's not a person saying, "Well, I'm saved. It doesn't really matter." No, he's saying you need to examine yourself. Not just whether you're saved or not, but is there any sin in my life? Some kind of an attitude, something that I'm holding on to, some bitterness or whatever. And I think you. Ought to, I think we ought to take it serious. This is. This is not the only purpose of the Lord's Supper. But it's, I believe, the primary purpose, one of the most important purposes of it, is that we would examine ourselves. Now, we're going to finish up here in a moment in 1 Corinthians. But let's quickly look at a few other verses that speak to this. And I'm going to go, first of all, to the book of Proverbs. And I'm not going to elaborate on these verses. But these verses just talk about the importance of this subject. Um. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 12. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. That tells you it's possible for a person to think they're okay when really they're not okay at all. They're not really washed from their, their, um, from their sin. Now let's go to the New Testament to 2 Corinthians 2 Corinthians chapter 7, just one verse. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, 2 Corinthians 7, 1, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, these verses wouldn't be in here if it was an important thing for God. says we need to examine ourselves. Cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh. You're in 2 Corinthians. Go to the right a little further to Ephesians chapter 4. Just several verses that say basically the same thing. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31 says, Let all, all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. I don't know that this would apply, okay, I'm going to go to the book of James while I'm talking, James chapter 1. I don't know that this would apply to anybody in this room, but I know it applies to people in general because I talk to people. People who have the idea, seem to have the notion that really the little sins in my life don't really matter that much. But I'll tell you, that nothing can be farther from the truth. Whatever it is, it's serious. You say, but don't you know we're cleansed and forgiven? I do know that, but I'm talking about the Bible over and over and over and over again says you need to examine yourself and cleanse yourself of all unrighteousness, right? James chapter 1 and verse 21 it says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. So we see in all these verses, we see it in the pattern of the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We see it in the instructions in 1 Corinthians about the Lord's Supper that we are to judge ourselves. And I think think that's always in order. I think it's always good. It's not healthy for us to allow Sin, unconfessed sin, to remain in our life. Whatever that sin is, it's like leaven. A little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. And so we need to take it serious. In the language of uh, 1 Corinthians 11, we're to judge ourselves. I know people say, well, judge not, you know, we're not to judge. We are to judge, and we're to judge ourselves primarily. What does that mean? We're to inspect, it's like giving yourself... An examination. You know, imagine giving yourself a test. Um, I think it's safe to say that there could be a tendency if we're grading ourselves that we might be too lenient on ourselves. But we're not to be lenient on ourselves. We're to be accurate and truthful and honest. Sometimes we might be less thorough. Even careless in our own examination. We hear this often, it's true, you know, in cancer screening, early detection can save lives. Not, you know, you have a person that thinks, well, I got this wrong with me and I, you know, I've been having it for a long time and I'm, I'm kind of afraid to go to the doctor, I'm afraid of what he might say. That's not a real wise approach. Early detection saves lives. And by the way, the same way is sin. If if we're to examine ourselves, the sooner we find something's wrong, we ought to make it right. We were singing that song uh, tonight, Search Me, O God. And I'm going to read the passage uh, from Psalms that 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 song comes from. Hear these words, Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now take the time tonight to do this because I think that's a big part of what the Lord's Supper is about. I love the Lord's Supper because it remember, reminds us of what Christ has done for us. And it's also a reminder that we need to ask God to search us. You know, the psalmist had it right, Search me. O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Help me to know what's really in my heart and help me to, to know, to be aware of my own thought life. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So the, the, the emphasis in 1 Corinthians 11, I'm going to go back there and we'll finish up there, is on examining ourselves. Examining ourselves. Examine our walk with the Lord. Examine our relationships with other people. Our relationship with our spouse. Our relationship with our children or with our parents. Other other relationships. Examine our testimony on the job. Our testimony at work. Examine ourselves. Examine our personal holiness. The things we do. The things we allow ourselves to do. The way we think. Examine ourselves. The the time we waste, the time it could be spent serving the Lord, but it's not spent serving the Lord. Examine our priorities. What are really important things in in our life? We're to examine ourselves. We're examine our attitudes. Am I haughty? Am I selfish? Am I bitter? You know, examine ourselves. Am I am I am I being prideful in what I'm doing? Do I have unforgiveness in my life? Am I being stubborn? You know, am I is lust having its way in my life? All these things, we ought to examine ourselves. Every one of us. The command is examine yourself. We are to examine ourselves. Nobody else can examine us like we can examine ourselves. You know, I could stand up here and preach to you and try to bring sermons to you and, and have things in my life that are... Wicked, and you wouldn't know that maybe, but God knows, and I know, but we're to examine ourselves. We're to put the spotlight on our own life. Didn't say examine everybody else. We're to examine ourselves. And so when we examine ourselves, it helps us deal with things in our life that need to change. And, and, and we all know this. We should do this routinely. We should do it every day. Every day we should be asking ourselves, Lord, is there something in me that Maybe I don't see. Maybe it's a blind spot in my life. Is there something I need to get right with the Lord? Is there something I need to get right with someone else? And that's a, But that's a part of what the Lord's Supper is about. And that's why we ought to just love this time of worship for the Lord, for what he's done for us. But also thank God that he cleanses us and can, wants to cleanse us. You know... Perhaps you have heard someone say this. I've heard this in my life. You know, say about the Lord's Supper, well, I don't want to be there. I don't want to go through the Lord's Supper. I don't want to observe the Lord's Supper because I know things in my life are not what they ought to be. I've actually heard people say that, and I, I know why they say it, because they take it serious. But the purpose of the Lord's Supper is not so we would refrain from taking it. The purpose of the Lord's Supper is so we'd examine ourselves and get it right and confess it 1 John 1, 9 is still in the Bible. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So it's a a great time to do that. And if I came to the Lord's Supper and I said, well, you know, I know it's Lord's Supper time and I know it's serious and I got some things that aren't right, I'm just not going to observe it tonight. But what that says is I really like my sin more than I like being right with God. Because we want to be right with the Lord. And we want to be right with one another. It's to And so it's a kind of a reminder. I, one of the reasons we don't observe the Lord's Supper like weekly or monthly like some people do. is because it is such a serious thing. And I think it deserves the attention that we give to it here. You know, to really understand what it says and why it says it. There in 1 Corinthians 11... The emphasis, I believe, is on examining yourself. But there's also other things that are mentioned here that I want to mention. Look in verse 23, for instance, where he says in verse 24, when, when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in verse 25, this... Bl- cup is the new testament in my blood this do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me the Lord's Supper is to me such a wonderful remembrance of what Christ has done for us that he shed his blood for us that his body was broken beaten for us and it's also a reminder not only of what he did for us but in verse 26 it says as often you eat this bread and drink this cup you do show the Lord's death till he come. It's a remembrance, that, a reminder that he's coming. And when he comes, we're going to, that's what Jesus said. You'll never, you won't, to his disciples there in Matthew 26, when we looked at it, he says, you won't eat this, I won't have this, drink this wine with you or eat this bread with you until we, we eat it together in the kingdom. It's a, every time we take the Lord's supper, it's a reminder that he's coming back. And we will see him soon. So it's a great ordinance. And it's a special time of reflecting on what Christ has done for us and just bringing our hearts in submission to him, you know, around the ordinance of the Lord's table. What a blessed time it is. Now, if you're here tonight and you're not saved, then um, you've heard a lot tonight, just as teaching and instruction You've heard a lot tonight about what Christ has done for us, and but knowing it and hearing it doesn't make you a Christian. You must personally receive it. You have, must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You must trust him as your Savior, but don't think for a minute that Jesus went through everything he went through and did everything he did so that it would be okay for you to die in your sin and go to hell. No, he wants you to be saved. He wants you to be saved. But you have to receive him. You have to put your faith in it. Just, you know, and I'm not going to turn to it, but in John chapter 6, Jesus used this language that really confounded the religious people, and they said this is a hard saying, but he said, Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. He wasn't talking about being a cannibal, he was talking about personally receiving him, personally accepting him, personalizing the Death on the cross. You've got to do that yourself. And you've got to say, yes, Lord, I want you in my life. I, I want to be forgiven. I want you to save me. And so if you're not saved tonight, this would be a great night to get saved. Amen. The, the sacrifice has been made. There, there are no more lambs to be offered. Because the one lamb has been slain that takes away our sins. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. We believe also that 1 Corinthians, looking at it in the context, that 1 Corinthians makes it clear to me this is a church ordinance. It's for people in the church to observe. So we we always have a the Lord's Supper on a regular church night, but we always tell people if you're a guest, if you're not a member, then we ask that you not observe the Lord's Supper. We want you to be a part of the service, but the Lord's Supper is really, really just given to those who are members of every local church when they observe it. So I want us tonight to take a few moments and do these things. As the Bible says, we ought to remember what Christ has done for us, the blood that he shed, the way he was beaten and tortured for us. And then remember the fact that one day we'll be with him in heaven where we will sit down with him and we will be observe and participate in the marriage supper be a wonderful thing we'll be there with him one day but also it's a time of examining ourselves Lord search me search me and I do that tonight I mean I've been mindful of this all day but tonight I'm saying Lord search my heart for something in me that's not right I want to make it right So let's bow our heads together this evening and take a few moments and just thank the Lord for what this ordinance represents. Thank the Lord for the blood that Jesus shed, the sacrifice he made, for what it means for us. and say, Lord, search me tonight. If there's something in me that's not right, I want to make it right. Help me to see it. Search me, O God, as the psalmist prayed and said. See if there be any wicked way in me. Our Father, as we pray this evening, we thank you for this ordinance, this special... Time for the church family just to thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you, Lord, for taking our sins upon your body on the tree, for paying the price for our redemption, for our cleansing, that we might be justified before you God we are so undeserving tonight